What's happening right this moment is you guys are participating in a indie animation podcast called Indie Animation with Trevor Stewart and Rob Shaw. Uh, but what's happening in real time is that Damon Bard is here from the Bay Area. The Museum of Science and Industry was rad enough to fly him up here to give this presentation because he um, is part of this theme. He has worked on Pixar films, DreamWorks, Leica Entertainment, Pathé, essentially every animated film that uh, we've all seen, Damon's uh, sculpted the characters for those films. So Everyone. This is Damon Bard. <laughs> and so you guys, uh, your mics are hot? I think so. Mine's hot. Oh my goodness. My mic is hot. And if anybody's seen Isle of Dogs, production designer of Isle of Dogs just walked in, he's wearing the fedora, his name is Paul Herod. <laughs> Trevor's going to keep doing that, announcing everyone that walks into the... I know, right, exactly. <clears throat> Art department manager, John Warren's right there. Independent filmmaker, Shell White, is... I saw him come in, too. Lots of good, really good folks here. So uh, we're going to kick this off. We asked Damon to come down and hang out with us. Rob Shaw and I host a podcast called Indie Animation that's available on iTunes and Spotify. And we do a deep dive on the Portland animation history starting in 1974 when Will Vinton won the Academy Award and transformed Portland from a timber town into an animation town. For folks who don't know, Portland is one of the hottest uh, destinations for animation and stop motion specifically in the world, which is a pretty big boast. And um, Rob and I uh, explore all of that history and um, make a lot of jokes. And tonight we'll try not to curse because it's loud. Yeah, and then one big change we're going to try to do tonight is, wow, I'm so much louder than you. My God. Uh, one That's thing, a feat, homie. I've got to hold it down here. Uh, one thing we're going to try to do tonight is, um, is actually let Damon talk a little bit because Trevor and I are, are big mouths. We talk a lot. And, um, um, Please talk. Yeah. No, no, no. We're going to... Uh, we're going to try to talk and listen tonight, so it'll be it'll be a new thing for the podcast. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. So um, Rob Shaw is a, uh, a local director uh, here in town. He's directed a, a ton of stuff. He's a really awesome animation director. I'm an animation producer, and we are um, uh, very blessed to have Damon here. Damon and I met on the film Coraline way back in 2005. And um, what I'd love to do, Damon, if it's okay with you, is step through the the ghosts of Christmas past with you and use the slideshow as a way to kind of walk us through the next hour. Um, one thing I do want to point out is that outside the door, when you leave this theater, which might be soon if this thing's super boring, <laughs> is, um, there are monitors outside. And above them, there is a, uh, a piece of paper that says Looking Glass Factory. And Damon's work can be seen on those monitors. What makes it interesting is that they're holographic. You don't need a 3D glasses, but you can go and you can see Damon's work uh, in three dimensions right outside the You can actually the move theater. it around. You can grab it with the mouse and actually move the models around and see right. them in 3D. And oh, you yeah, can move yeah, it with you your hands, with your hand. too. Yeah, yeah. It's wicked. It's like a brand new technology that just came out like a few months ago. It's pretty cool. So um, Damon Bard, I know you from uh, creating some of these amazing characters for these animated films, but this is your work up here, and these are not for animated films. Uh, yeah, this guy was made, um, he was a uh, two or three foot tall um, uh, design maquette for a, a, um, a large potential bronze sculpture for the uh, pharmaceutical company. It was called Chiron at the time. Now I think it's called Novartis. And uh, I was going to pitch it to them to uh, have in their, um, in their hallway, their um, entry lobby area of their offices. Um, I knew there and we were uh, trying to um, uh, see if they would want a um, you know sort of monument sculpture of this guy. Wait, where does that live now? Where's the sculpture? Uh, uh, it's been destroyed just uh, through. A move. <laughs> Actually, the torso still exists and it's in a cabinet in my uh, studio. Um, but can you reuse it if another company comes to you and say, "Oh, we need to do this thing," and you're like, "Oh, sweet." Sure, yeah. Then you pitch them like, "What if it's torso based?" And you just <laughs> sure pull yeah. that out of your closet. Or, or I just make a new horse body. So, um, but yeah, Chiron was a um, 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 mythological character. He um, was a healer, and that was sort of their logo um, uh, uh, guy. That's amazing. That's beautiful. I'm gonna move on to some more of this. 
the non-film stuff. Yeah. Holy the, cow. The, this, what did you do? Work on Jurassic Park? Uh, <laughs> no, I wanted to though. <laughs> but um, no, these were for the uh, Boston Natural History Museum, and uh, these were two uh, Utah raptors uh, that were um, uh, uh, taking down an iguanodon. Um, whole diorama that I that I'd done and. Um, Two, three feet uh, tall, and, and you know the tails were pretty long too. So and where do these live right now? These, um, uh, I have a couple of them in my basement, and then and then I think they are in the museum. I bet your basement uh, is fucking awesome. <laughs> Wait, we weren't gonna. I bet curse. this is. Oh, we weren't. I thought the whole the whole point of this like drinking wristband was there. Was are cursing. we over twenty one? Everybody here. All right, I'll try not to, but... I know, I do you guys mind if Rob curses? They gave me a, a drink bracelet. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think I, yeah. yeah. That's good. Okay, yeah, so anybody who wants to buy uh, uh, Damon's basement raptors, right? Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. at Damon Bard Studio. Well, they, Studio. they keep Dot the mountain lions right. away, so, you know. But Damon, what, are, awesome. what are they made of? Uh, the uh, well, these are images. Most of the images, at least the last one and this one, are there images of the actual clay sculpture themselves. Clay photographs uh, quite nicely under the um, uh, right kind of light, um, but in the end, they were cast in uh, resin and painted, and uh, glass eyes were put in and that Got sort it. of thing. So, yeah. right on, very cool, and uh, beautiful. Yeah, th this was a a bronze uh, bust of actually a friend of mine. Uh, her, her name is Catherine, and uh, she's actually a longtime storyboard artist at DreamWorks. And uh, we we met um, sort of uh, 20 some odd years ago, and she sat for me and and uh, over over a, a couple sittings, and, and I did this portrait of her. So where is this now? Is this also uh, this in the is in my studio? Yeah. Oh, it is. Yeah, yeah. This, there's only one bronze uh, of it. That's all I did of it. So it's one of a kind. So I think okay. So, so everybody knows. Damon hasn't seen the slideshow, so he has no idea. <laughs> I don't know what's coming. True next. story. He doesn't. Yeah. I told him I would show him earlier. He was like, "No, nah, nah, I'm just gonna nah, fly by the seat of my pants." Right. So I think. Oh wait, no, we got one more. Yeah, what is this, man? Uh, so another personal uh, um, uh, sculpture. I'm very um, passionate about uh, traditional art um, and uh, the art of Rodin in particular, and uh, um, I'm very influenced by him, and have done a lot of studies of his kind of work and. And um, on the side, I, I, I uh, sometimes do uh, figurative sculpture uh, uh, for the intent to have it in bronze as well. And this one is a, a photograph of the bronze. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep asking, how, how yeah. big is this one? Uh, that, this one's kind of small, actually. It's only like a foot tall. Wow. You know, I would love Holy it if it was cow. that big. Um, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's beautiful. I think this is getting us into, I try to yeah. do this chronologically, and the... If anybody knows what the, the seen this picture, um, Paul Harrod, who's also in the audience, worked on this picture. Back, uh, the special effects for this movie were supposed to be stop motion, just like how Jurassic Park, the dinosaurs were supposed to be stop motion. But around this time, CG started really taking hold in Hollywood, um, and you were on the stop motion team as well. Well, I was on James the Giant Peach, and um, we heard uh, Tim would come through, and and we heard that we might do that animation for Mars Attacks. And uh, I was really excited about doing, uh, being part of it. And so I did this maquette on my own of, a, of, a, of the design of the aliens. And uh, um, never got to show it to Tim, but showed it to the McKinnon and Saunders, who actually came up with the final design. And, um, uh, you know, but they'd already gotten to that point. So um, this is more just of a portfolio piece now and a sort of, I guess, fan art at this point of, of that character. That's great. But this came about at a time prior to them completely locking what yes. the three-dimensional sculpture were going to look like. Yes, exactly, right. And before it went CG. So, so they owe you still... some royalties for yeah, sure. helping find the... <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, we'll, we'll call their... <laughs> Is that right, Paul? So you don't blame Paul for that. No. <laughs> it's not Paul's fault. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so yeah, speaking of, I think... Oh, yeah, I went a little too well, far. Uh, you oh. went through the whole thing. <laughs> All right. I don't know what's happening. Just everybody close your eyes, and I'll tell you when, when to open them back up. <laughs> it's happening. Won't look. Okay. Here we go. So speaking of James and the Giant Peach, so you didn't work on Nightmare Before Christmas. No, I got you were like right six after. years old. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I started actually really young. I, I started here in Portland at Will Vinton uh, Productions when I was sixteen. I graduated high school early, pretty much with the intent to work there, and did that. And. Um, 
uh, eventually got on to, uh, to this uh, show um, and uh, was, was uh, a sculptor on, uh, for the puppets and um, uh, of the characters for this show. And, uh, but not in Portland. So you're from no, Portland, you were working in no, Portland. No, from Seattle, went to Portland, and then went to LA for some other stuff, and then I didn't like LA, and then I went back up to the Bay Area here, or to the Bay Area, where uh, Peach was, was being done. Can I ask real quick, how does one, I know that you built up a body of work at Vinton Studios in Portland. Yeah. What, what was that moment when you, when you got in front of Henry Selleck, who is now doing his second big picture with Disney, which is James and the Giant Peach, his follow-up to Nightmare Before Christmas? Did you just walk to his house with a bunch of sculptures in your hand? No, um, actually I met him at a convention in San Francisco and said, I want to work on your, your movies. And uh, he told me to talk to the, the head uh, of, of sculpture at that point. Uh, but then I was so determined, I had my portfolio, that um, I, I put that together and I, I physically dropped it off at the studio at that time. And. Now you can't really do that nowadays. You have to go through departments. You like get arrested. HR. Yeah, right. You'd, you'd be. Uh, but ha had you not had your portfolio and had you not uh, been active and gone to the physical school, is this Skellington? Yes, this was Skellington. Yeah. This was so there was a warehouse in San Francisco where they shot Nightmare Before Christmas. It was dubbed Skellington Studios. Then the second picture they made in that warehouse was James and the Giant Peach. Right. So you left Vinton Studios, which was still thriving at that time. Oh yeah. And you worked on James's Giant Peach, and you were sculpting out of that studio, out yes, of Skellington. Yes, in San Francisco. Yes. And this is Monkey Bone. And this is Monkey Bone. And then if you flash forward, how many years later you found Whoopi Goldberg's wig from this movie on the TV show you were animating? 2001, we were at Custer Avenue, and oh, okay, I think yeah. they'd shot That's a bunch of the elements. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, and, I, and I was uh, animating on a show, and... Um, uh, like I was in like the back corner and, and stop motion, um, studios tend to be, uh, dirty or dirtier than, than like a regular studio because shit falls on the ground and then it kind of gets swept to the side and then they go to the next thing. So, uh, I found this, like, um, it was like a sheet. I think I still have it somewhere. It's like a sheet of someone had cut, uh, like RC car tires and glued them in rows to this sheet of black. And it was, someone told me that was uh, Whoopi Goldberg's wig in Monkey Bone was made out of that to be like fake dreads or something like that. And you stole it. You now have that. I don't know. If, if you pick up garbage, is that stealing? <laughs> yeah, that <right>. seems. <laughs> so this, th this is a really interesting uh, uh, tidbit here is that, so this is a live action film, but instead of using CG, you had stop motion as the, uh, as, as the cartoon, as it were, almost like a, a Roger Rabbit situation. Yes, yes. Um, this is where uh, uh, Bill Mechanic, who was the president <laughs> of Fox at this time, uh, greenlit this picture for Henry. It was a flop, but for anybody who knows the Coraline lore, um, Bill Mechanic helped Coraline get made at Leica. So hmm. even though uh, this film didn't perform that well at the box office, um, it still created a really nice merit. It still was responsible in part for, for the creation of Coraline. But I think this uh, Monkey Bone was the only show uh, going on in L.A. at the time when we were there because there was a strike or something happening. We were, we were at that time. Oh, was uh, it the writer's strike? It might have been, like yeah. That? And yeah. so we were like the show, and yeah. everybody's like, what's Monkey Bone? Well, I don't <laughs> want to get on that. There's, no, there's nothing else happening. So um, there's yeah. a period of like a few months or six months. Is this movie for also for anyone who um, hasn't seen them? There's the behind the scenes for this movie are uh, incredible because they did all of those motion control uh, uh, blue screen torsos yes, for to Brandon. match the live action, which is an insane thing to do. Yeah. But, uh, but it's really like if if you enjoy kind of getting down into the those those behind the scenes that are really kind of like weird nuts and bolts. This is a really good yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then I got to fly uh, home with Brendan Fraser on an airliner once. But anyway. Really? Yeah. Wait, so did Brendan you sculpt Fraser? Brendan? Yeah, that's yeah. Did you, was it necessary to sculpt him for the for the for the movie, or were you yeah, just like, uh, yeah, there was or like, were you showing off? No, the... no, no. That, that was actually the last uh, thing I did on Monkey Bone, and uh, that was for I think he was going to be riding the bicycle when they were getting away from one of those Reapers or something. Um, oh, it looks like he's on the front of the Titanic with Leonardo DiCaprio. Well, that, yeah, well, that's the dead dog pose. You have to um, the technical pose for molding and casting. Oh yeah, so you yeah. can set all the other bits. Yeah, so it. you can put the armature in and make sure your puppet will have its armature in all the right places. So, okay, I'm not in control What's going of this on? keyboard. This keyboard is Bluetooth, so <laughs> if anybody's texting with their girlfriend right now, it's interfering with my This with is my why keyboard. on the plane they tell you to turn it off. Yeah, exactly. 
So I want to get back to Monkey Bone. I think we might be jumping into Coraline territory here. That uh, one of Brendan was for uh, uh, the one puppet we were trying to create, and uh, that we used that one puppet, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, and uh, he was a it was a rubber puppet. It wasn't replacement animation or anything like that. It was a it was a hand rod puppet, sort of like a Muppet. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So um, I think maybe maybe this is chronological. So this is circa 2005-ish. Yeah, about then. Yeah. Um, this is when you were done playing in the Bay Area on films, even though you still live there. I was in L.A. You came though. up here. No, oh. I, but I was in L.A. when I did this this sketch because I was at DreamWorks at the time. But this is a series, like for this particular sketch, this is a series of three sketches. Bye, Robert. Good seeing you. <laughs> that was Robert D'Esposito, everybody. He's a local producer. <laughs> He got bored. Um, so this is a series of three images, uh, uh, sketch one, sketch two, and sketch three. What's the difference? I know you haven't seen them yet, but. Well, I mean, this one was uh, the, the, f the, uh, the previous one was uh, the. Where are we coming. going? It's coming. There we go. That was the first, um, when Henry uh, wanted me to do uh, some uh, design sketches on the show, this was the first one I did based on some uh, designs by Shane Prigmore. And, uh, you know, this was a tiny sculpture. I was just warming up. I like to do, when I get on a project, I like to warm up so I can get into the feel, get in the head of the characters, you know, just sort of see what the director uh, responds to. That looks to. pretty darn close for a first warm up. Yeah. And then, um, uh, uh, and then we, and then we had conversations after that and, and I just started another sketch, which might be the next one. Um, that one, that one was the second one and that one, um, not that one. Not that way. Well, this thing's not cooperating, okay, man. Stay there. Okay. And 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 this one, Henry really responded to, and he was like, "Okay, that's it. That's her. We've got we've got her." And uh, we did some iteration on top of this 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 uh, version um, uh, to the final design that we got to. She was a little younger here than he wanted her, um, but yeah, this was sort of what cast it in stone. And this all this work you did in Los Angeles. Yes, this one, yeah. Was Henry in Los Angeles at the no. time? No, no, you were. No, I just emailed because you were at DreamWorks. Yeah, okay. yeah. And Which then, you'll uh, see in the slideshow coming up here. Yeah. So this is final, final coreline. Yeah, here. that that was final. That that was a uh, rapid prototyped head based off of that previous maquette uh, design after we had done. Because I did three other busts uh, after that first right. one, and these were kind of large. And I did. They were large because you do the bust, and then some folks with some lasers, they digitize. They, they, they. Well, I did the bust first, then, I, and and I did three different uh, clay casts right, of right. those uh, busts to make my changes to show Henry, uh, the director, you know, do you like A, B, or C? Because I kept the main shape, but I just changed this or that, and then after that, they scanned the the preferred version, and uh, then we were able to print, uh, shrink it down, print it out small to the scale of the puppet that we actually. Because each at. one of Coraline's heads, her her the expression that are in the eyebrows and the. The phenoms to create the mouse and emotion is all printed out of the computer. Yeah. But that computer didn't get the information until you were done locking the design. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Of the, the final shape. Um, okay. Let's see. It's gonna be a surprise of what's next here. Okay. So speaking of Pixar. <laughs> yes. So yeah, this is actually prior to. This was in 2000, maybe 2000, 2001, maybe. And uh, so I, I was, um, uh, this is Ratatouille, and um, uh, I, I was uh, contacted by Jan uh, Pinkavon, uh, uh, the first director of Ratatouille, um, and uh, early on in the show, he wanted uh, me, they were trying to re-envision um, what their, the humans looked like, and they wanted to get away from the soft, round kind of uh, feel, and uh, I had been doing some angular uh, uh, design stuff with um, uh, some other studios and in some of my other work, and uh, he wanted to try that. And uh, I did a few uh, design sketches of, of Gusto um, that, you know, in the end got close to, I feel, the final design. I didn't, uh, here's another angular version. But you, again, geographically, is because I'm so curious about, um, so th at that time, uh, Jan was at Pixar yes. in Emeryville, and and Brad Bird was not involved yet. Brad Bird w hadn't hadn't migrated over, but you no. were. Where were you geographically? Uh, Emeryville. So you were also living. Y yeah, I lived in Emeryville for like tw almost twenty years, and then I would go up and down the West Coast, and 
uh, to to um, different studios, and but I, my home base is always. Been but you'll there. sculpt in per. You'll go to a movie set and you'll sculpt in person and and show the work to a director. Yeah. Uh, but then you'll also just sculpt in your home studio and just yes. send photographs from your iPhone or your Sidekick or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Exactly. And, yeah. And so, but but quite literally, and they would give you be like, hey, Feedback. make the arms bigger, or make yeah. like whatever. Yeah. And and some people like uh, Henry, for instance, he likes to be able to work with you in person because he needs to be in front of the object because you know it's all about photographing real real things yeah, yeah. in the end, you know, to make the film. So um, uh, we do as much of that as we can, uh, and then, uh, you know, uh, a lot of times I'll have to bring it to him, for instance. And, and let's say potentially if you were to work with Henry now, you guys are both in Northern California. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah, we live fairly Until close. he moves here, because his, for, for, I'm sure everybody in this audience knows that Henry Selleck's picture is going to be shooting here. Uh, in Port, actually in Milwaukee, right next to Bob's Red Mill, so you can get some oatmeal and then watch <laughs> a really great, really great uh, animated feature, uh, and that is going to start shooting in 2020, I think. You didn't hear that from me. Uh, I don't know if I went too far. Okay, so now, so uh, you worked at Leica, you worked at at DreamWorks. Um, you've done some like really rad uh, uh, looking sculptures, and then. You were also at, you were at DreamWorks. Yeah, DreamWorks. Were you yeah, like on contract there? Were you like a salaried employee? No, I'm a freelance. You know, so they, they would just, just make call you me sculpt back. every day, and you're yeah, like, yeah. You know, I <laughs> make you out of here. make you sculpt. Yeah, yeah they no, make but you me did. Me but you were working project by project at yeah, DreamWorks. Yeah, yeah, and a, lo and a lot of the reason I was at DreamWorks was because a lot of uh, James the Giant Peach. A lot of the people after that show went to, to DreamWorks oh, right? because DreamWorks formed shortly um, while Peach was in production. And uh, so a lot of the management went, oh, oh get Damon, get Damon. And uh, um, so, yeah, this was Madagascar. I think this was the um, this Kiefer Sutherland? fourth. No, this was uh, Ben Stiller. Oh, this is Ben Stiller, right? Yeah. Oh, I'm thinking of Into the Wild. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and this was like the fourth. That was the fourth film I'd done with them, Madagascar, still up in the Bay Area. And and uh, are you trying to change that slide or is that just happening? I was trying to seamlessly do it, okay. but since you called it out, yeah, it was an accident from the keyboard. Yeah, um, uh, Because we don't have a lot of time during this talk, what I'm not showing you is that this is one image from Madagascar, and on Damon's website, what he has represented from Madagascar is like every single character from that film. Right? Did you touch every? Not, not every one of them, but I did a bunch of the maquettes. That's a yeah. lot. Yeah, yeah, there was a and lot. So, yeah. so do they start, they start... Uh, like in, in this case, they start as an illustration. Someone does like a 2D character design, yeah, and then yeah. you're interpreting it into a 3D in, maquette. Yeah, into, into 3D, because uh, our 2D guy was uh, Craig Kelman. He's an amazing uh, 2D artist, and very, very graphic, very, very flat design sense. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's why I was brought on board to sort of um, uh, try to dimensionalize it and realize it in 3D and sort of figure out the design, you know, because, you know, drawings cheat, you know, right. you can, you know, you have to, you have to, you know, not every one of them you can put into your sculpture or whatever, because reality is going to contradict the cheat of a drawing. Right. Um, uh, and, yeah. And so, and so when you're, wor when you're working on these, uh, the, whoever it is, who's, who's kind of like the director or whoever is saying, yes, I like this or no, I don't. How much kind of, um, like you go in with a maquette and then how much kind of like, you know, ah, oh, shave this off or I wish this was like this or is it more like you show them the maquette and they're like, oh, that looks fucking great. Well, it depends on <clears throat> uh, on the project, the character. Um, sometimes there's heavy involvement with uh, the, the, the art directors or the director or whatever and I'm, I take a knife out in person and with them and cut off chunks of clay and put mm -hmm. other chunks and we just start changing things together. That was what was fun about that process and you can still do that, uh, do, do that in digital now. Um, but yeah, um, it, it depends on the project. I mean, th this one had had a lot of iteration just because of we, were tr we were trying to figure out the the two D um, aspect. Right, right. Um, so this is more DreamWorks. So this is Kung DreamWorks. Fu Panda. Yes, Kung Fu Panda. And this is not the same. Do you remember who the character designer was for this? Nico Marley. Yes, it was Nico. Yeah. That's beautiful. And and one thing they they would always tell me at DreamWorks about Nico's work uh, is that I tuned into uh, his design sense, which was also very graphic and very flat. And um, you know they they always liked what I did uh, and how I saw his designs once I would do a, a sculpture of them. Yeah, and, that is and, it, and it really helped realize and sell it to Jeffrey um, Katzenberg, the main. Uh, guy there because he he needed the, the drawings Nico's drawings in particular it was very hard for him to visualize what it would look like 
as a final character. Did Jeffrey mm -hmm. ever come down from his throne to the sculpting area to see your oh, work? Oh, yeah, yeah. We would present to him all the time. Yeah, yeah we had lots of meetings with him. Was oh, he yeah. cool? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was fun. You do, you, do you have to say that? Say do you have to say <laughs> No, he was always cool to me. That's great. <laughs> it doesn't seem Actually, cool. I've, heard he's, I've heard he's awesome. <laughs> um, so, uh, so this is more Kung Fu Panda, so you did Kung the Fu Dustin Panda. Hoffman character. Oh, yeah. yeah. The Furious Five and then a couple of the enemies, uh, I guess, or, or villains, I guess. Uh, I don't remember. Everything. How long did it take for you to work through all of these? These Panda? ones were quite... He was the first one I did. He's probably my favorite. Um, and um, he, he was one of the ones where I just um, uh, went all the way and, and everybody was like, oh, it looks great. And then a lot of the other ones, can you just change that? But um, It looks so stop motion. It feels like it just, yeah. he wants to move in 3D space. Yeah, yeah. I really had a, a good time with him. And and uh, uh, but uh, sorry, what was your? No, I I don't remember oh. anymore. Okay. <laughs> you were asking something. So um, oh, 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 oh boy, oh, I was just oh. about to compliment you on the uh, on the slide progression. Yeah. I was Whoa. like, look at you, restrain your enthusiasm, yeah. man. <laughs> Old lead finger there. I know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, then we'll just move out of the images now and talk about the little prince. <laughs> okay. Oh great! Yeah. Oh okay, yeah. Let's you can you can go ahead and drive that. That's great. So yeah, Little Prince. Yeah. So you worked on The Little Prince. So The Little Prince is a CG film primarily, yes. finance out of France. It was the highest budgeted film uh, that the country of France has ever put together, let alone being an animated film. Uh, it was to be distributed by Paramount Pictures here in the US. And two weeks before it was supposed to hit theaters, Paramount pulled out. So Netflix jumped in, ended up putting it back in theaters. But the um, you worked on I guess you worked on both the CG side and the stop motion side. A little bit of the stop motion. Uh, we weren't sure if I was going to be able to work on the stop motion because it was in Canada and right. there were rules uh, that weren't going to let it, some of us go. And I didn't in, ultimately end up going. Um, but I did a, a, a early maquette version of, of the Aviator um, uh, from designs by Peter Desev. And uh, yeah, he, he, we, uh, I wasn't involved in that as much. We tried. I even said, hey, I'll, I'll do the work from home and send it to you. And we couldn't even do, do it, it remotely. Yeah. So, you did, so you did the aviator, but you also did the, um, the, the little female protagonist. The little girl, yeah. You did her mom. Mm -hmm. Actually, if you're able to communicate up in the booth, if we jog through the next three slides, <laughs> we could get through. Well, yeah, there know, we go. So. That's yeah. great, but these all you did in your in your studio in Northern California. Yeah, in Emeryville. Yeah, yeah. And then you said, and the stop motion director is Jamie Cleary. He was, yes. He was a Cleary, and and Mark Osborne is was the, the yeah. He was the overall director, he was the and, overall he, and he directed Jamie as well. But um, but yeah, Jamie was handling a lot of the uh, uh, stop motion stuff. You know. And then most recently in December on Netflix, you had a four part BBC series that was just released called Watership Down, and um, they had. They brought you in. They were very passionate. Um, they were pretty far along in their process, and they needed a course correct on some of the character design. And so they came to you and said, shit, man, we need your help, right? And uh, you came in and helped uh, uh, kind of provide the, the kind of changes they were looking for. From well, re redesigning the rabbits, really, the is redesign, what that was. Yeah, yeah because... Um, it was uh, my nice way of saying, yeah, you yeah. had well, to Well, you know, that, that's what we did. Somebody I mean, else's work. Yeah, yeah, yeah but it, um, but what, what, I, what they were before aren't, aren't what they are now. And what they were before, they just didn't look like rabbits. You know, it's a, you know they just were very... Oh, they were very heavily stylized, and um, it didn't fit the, the story... It didn't fit the environment, so the rabbits were alienating themselves from the environments. Mm. It's very naturalistic um, uh, realism, and the the heavy stylization just just was jarring. And you think that <clears throat> that heavy stylization can work in other movies under other circumstances for other stories? Yeah. But for this Not particular for this one, one, they no. just felt at a certain point they were like, oh shit, we. We yeah. kind of like we lost the thread for a while. Yeah, and they were like, "Well, what what would you do?" And I said, "Well, I would just go back to nature and and try and keep some of the stylization, but um, uh, you know, just to have some design sense. But you know, why don't we just go you know take a few steps back towards towards nature?" But this is a departure from your from all the other work that you've done on on all these big major motion pictures. You've put hand to clay and you've sculpted these. Uh, out of clay, but for this right. picture, this was all virtual. This is you mm -hmm. working in Maya and and, and ZBrush. Yeah, and actually, yeah. the Little Prince was the first project that I did, uh, both clay and then digital. Oh, as oh well. I didn't know that was Little Prince. Yeah, yeah. They came back to me six months later after my um, uh, uh, clay stint on the Little Prince, and there was a problem with the characters there, and it was like, 
you know, can, what can you do? And so I said, well, I'm just learning digital. Let me see. And then I was started to do stuff, and they were like, here's everything. <laughs> you know, yeah. fix it. That's great. And at that at some point in your career, uh, after having sculpted with Clay for so long, you were like, I'm going to give this digital sculpting a try. And then you just yeah. started building up and building up and building up. And then yeah. now you're doing sculpting for major motion pictures, not just with maquettes, but with... With digital as well, yeah, yeah. fancy technology. Yeah, I've had to yeah. adopt it, yeah, because it's really where it's all gone. And for me, it was just, you know, um, I, I resisted it for a little while because of, uh, I was very passionate about being um, tactile with clay, and it just a, I had a connection to it. You don't have the same kind of connection with, um, at least I don't, with the, the digital stuff. It's a different headspace, works differently. But speaking um, of, do you, because I know from getting drunk with you, you've told me that you have... <laughs> Uh, 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 I'm kidding about the first part, but the second part's true, is that you have multiple virtual reality systems for your computer system at yeah. home. So when you sculpt or have you used um, the Vive or or the uh, Oculus, or Oculus, have you sculpted in 3D using the headset? Yes, a little bit, yeah, but not for for this project. I had to, um, th that was, that technology I have is, is newer, you know, and um, ZBrush had been around, I was more versed in that. Um, and so uh, ZBrush was the, uh, and Maya was... And ZBrush was doesn't have like a no, VR no, no, component no. right no. now. And it didn't yeah. need it. It didn't need it. You know, it's more like drawing ZBrush, actually. Um, uh, it just kind of happens to be sort of 3D. Um, but yeah, so they came to me and asked me to do my take. And, and uh, I did, I think he was the first one, actually, Holly, up there. And uh, they were like, we can breathe again. It looks like a rabbit. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, did, you know, had they already gotten to animation at this point? Or is uh, this... Yeah, a little bit, yeah. yeah they so blocked they, stuff out. But yeah. they had to, So they had to scrap whatever they did. Yeah, actually, they had to, some of the crew had to be replaced. Because, uh, you know, it was just a different uh, management that needed to come in and, and take care of things. So. Got it. But that's crazy because they must have had hundreds of people, like a team of hundreds, in the middle of making this, and then someone made the call, like, "Oh, dude, time well, out for apparently, a well, I mean, from what I think I can say is that no one looked at the rabbits for a little while, and then they, when they did, it was like, "Ooh," so gone that far. that was where the decision was made, or they didn't show somebody, and and uh, but we ended up saving millions by using the assets that had already been created and because they didn't have to re-UV everything which takes man right. hours and re So you figured out how to take how to take advantage yeah. as much as possible of their assets and yeah. make it work for Yeah, and just use was. that as a yeah. base and redesign from there. Yeah. But did you know that for the last few years Rob has actually had fantasies about directing this uh, as a movie? Yeah, not the, well. Uh, yeah, I uh, I love the book. And yeah. So, oh yeah, uh, yeah. I, mean, I love the cartoon, the the anime. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that one, it's a masterpiece. They were telling me not to look at it, but yeah, too late. That. That's great. Yeah. Uh, everybody, uh, Fred Ruff just walked in. In case anybody was curious, that's Fred right there with the all the booze in his hand. Yeah. He's talking next about his badass VFX and CG. Just so you guys know. Um, so I've got a question for you, like a million questions, Jamin. You have the ability to draw as well? Do you like draw on paper and shit? Yeah, yeah, but um, I, I prefer more um, spatial thinking, you know, and, and using real clay and stuff, but yeah, yeah. Do you ever start off with a sketch or you just go right into your studio and Sometimes, turn on Metallica but, and like... Yeah. Uh, no, I usually try and go right to 3D, you know, yeah. and either clay or, or in digital because it's faster. You know, yeah. Then you won't have to go, well, I took that. Now I got to take that drawing and interpret that. And then you're sort of over yeah. the process and, you know, but... If you, if you had to guess how much, now that you've kind of transitioned to doing more digital sculpting, if you had to kind of guess on what it breaks down to as far as like how much clay sculpting you're doing versus how much virtual sculpting you're doing, what, what would you guess? The ratio of what to what? Yeah. Um, uh, more more uh, virtual. Okay. Yeah, because the, the industry uh, has just gone that way, and um, only some uh, uh, clients want the, right. the, the old process. Does it bum you out, it. or is it... A little bit, yeah. but you know, now that I can do digital, it right. doesn't feel so bad. I don't yeah, feel yeah. left out. You yeah, know, yeah. if I didn't offer that, it would be like, see ya. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, but yeah, it kind of bums me out that that part of even Pixar, they're they're uh, getting rid of their sculptors, mm. which is sad because yeah. you know, I mean, that was a, it's just always been a part of it ever since I've been in it. Right. And right. for that process to sort of be replaced, and yes, you can print something out, but you know, um, I don't know. It's just uh, it was it's been the the tradition right. to to right. have that you know, and like seeing you know, pencil and paper go away, you know, mm -hmm. for. Storyboard guys, when now they just are on a Cintiq, you know, and then it goes right to the to edit. Yeah, Cintiqs are great for doing everything except for slideshows because <laughs> Cintiq is like, it's the computer <laughs> I have up there right now. 
Um, wait, so I have a question for you. Have you seen the new feature North of Blue? New. I just wanted to point out that the director is here, Joanna Priestley. This is, now, this is definitely what Everybody. we're doing. So I just have to say <laughs> Hi, Joanna. Um, so uh, we have about 20 more minutes before I have to wrap up before Fred's way better lecture comes on. Um, uh, but I have a couple questions for you. So you were, when you worked on Little Prince, who was your contact? Like, how do people contact you? Do you have an agent or a manager or like? No, a, I just I, I worked assistant. with Mark Osborne, the director uh, on Kung Fu Panda, and yeah. uh, um, he 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 reached out to me, you know, and and uh, he just has your email. Like all these oh, yeah. famous people just have your yeah yeah. I mean, we're we're friends, you know. So it's um you know uh, uh you know I think he knew I was available, and uh, it was the timing was right, and and he he said, hey, do you want to work on this? And I was like, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and yeah. then. Uh, uh, I'm going to steal Stephanie's question from earlier. Of all the movies that you've worked on, which is, I don't even, I don't even know how many, 15, 20? Oh, it's like 30 or 40. Or 30, okay, so 30, sorry. <laughs> More than that. Of 30 or 40 of these films that you've worked on, do you have do you have a favorite, or do you have like the moments that you replay in your head where you're like, God damn, that was a good um, I, uh, I've been lucky enough to work on uh, a lot of cool projects, and it's hard to say yeah. one has been the best out of all of them. Um, the top three, um, I don't know. Let's say Peach, James and Giant Peach, because that was one of my first. Um, um, I don't know. Tough. Um, uh, I could say maybe Coraline. I mean, these are both stop motion movies. Um, and then maybe The Little Prince, you know, because that was a transitional um, um, project for me to go from di uh, clay to digital. And, and then this one I actually had a lot of fun on, too. Do you feel a difference when you work on a stop motion picture versus a CG picture, or is it just completely identical for you? Oh no, it, it, it's it's different because you have to uh, keep in mind uh, uh, um, so many different things for something that's in stop motion for the puppet build and uh, the scale, and that it's going to be again a real thing photographed. And so, yeah, it's it's pretty different. You, so, would you say it, uh, you have to be more diligent uh, for stop motion because it's a it's at the end game is going to be a physical product versus no, no, CG you can cheat. Not more <laughs> no. diligent, yeah. Like, not, but like make yeah. Not uh, not necessarily more uh, diligent, but I think the requirements are just uh, are different, um, and um, the, they just they just need what they each project needs what they need. So um, um, uh, that's that's. I don't know if you can separate it, you know, like that and go, this is easier or not. You know? Sure, sure. But it, it really is what the, the demands of the story are and what the demands of the character is that, you, that we're trying to realize. So um, I, I, I have a question because it feels like, so there's a pipeline, right? So somebody is like smoking opium and writing a story, right? So then they have their story. And then at some point a visualist comes in and says, you know, I think, I think these people look like this. And they start to establish character design. Then once character design is tacked down, then they turn to you and they want you to realize a 2D element and figure out just what the what the fuck it looks like in in full 3D. Right. And it's your responsibility to to interpret that, or are you getting turnarounds from the? Character well, I mean, there's times where I'm designing too. So um, uh, sometimes there's too much information where there's turnarounds. Where, but then that you know, less is more. I always like a little less because again, you would things, prefer not to get the turnarounds from the characters. Yeah, it depends. Like a front and a side, maybe, or something like that. But you yeah. know, again, too much information. Um, uh, you know, you'll just start to have to work it out in the clay thing. You know, but if you know you're limited. Uh, um, you know, then then it's a little more direct. Um, I think it depends on the design too, have case you, by case. Have you worked on projects where um, where there wasn't established character design yet? Mm -hmm. Have you you've done the exploration like literally in in clay? Oh yeah, yeah. And how's that? Uh, what percentage of that uh, has been for your career versus getting handed? You know, oh that, that maybe maybe fifteen to twenty. You know, it's not as it's, so it's not on the, as it's much. a lower percentage. It's a lower percentage, yeah, because a lot of times at the studios they already there's a two D department going on or two D artists, and right. you know that's where quick some quick exploration can happen, and then they pass it around and go, oh, let's try this one or, or whatever. So. Do you like doing that, where you get to um, you get to begin making your own choices? Um, yeah, yeah, and that goes with a drawing I get too. If I see something that's not in the drawing, but I'm like, ooh, it's giving me an idea, something to try. I start to do that, and and uh, um, I've been told that people have said that's not that, that wasn't even in the drawing, and you you bring stuff and to you the process. Do you feel like yeah. there's room in this industry for sculptors to 
um, take risks with their own like interpretation of these things? Like there's room, is there room, is there time in the schedule? It depends on who you're working with. More and more, no, that the studios aren't allowing that. I was actually because they're just sprinting so fast. They're like, yeah, look, son, get and, it done. And they just love what the two D guy did or whatever. Uh, in the early days, we we were it was all more of a, a, a mishmash of like, well, let's find that, let's find it, let's let's find this process. Yeah. And it just happened that the clay process was at the end of the domino line at, at times, and then they would scan something, you know, or make the puppet, and and that's where the become finalized. Right, and now so, you're saying like, so the the train's just moving so quick now that you're yeah. finding less and less yeah, and that the, you got kind of get room to explore and fool around. Yeah, I, I don't think some of the other people in the other studios are. I think I still may get that chance because that's sort of what I established my um, uh, my reputation as is you know bringing stuff to the to to the table that might not be there. I'm not saying other people don't, but um, I've just noticed from conversations with other artists, it's they have to stick with the drawing. And for you, that means given. sometimes bringing you in earlier in the pipeline, earlier in the stage when uh, when earlier than you would normally bring a sculpting team on board, maybe. I mean, I prefer to get on as early as possible to try and give the the client uh, uh, as much choice as possible and uh, exploration time. Right. And you and I, th I don't think we can talk about it, but you had just come off a secret Netflix mm -hmm. project down in L.A. Mm -hmm. But I guess that's at the end of the sentence. I can't say anything about <laughs> and about the and that's it. And congratulations, I yeah. guess oh, yeah. is what well, I would say. Yeah. Um, and then, do you find yourself in situations where you're getting multiple offers from different studios? Oh, oh sometimes. And you have to play favorites among directors. Yeah, See which um, film made the most money, and that's the one you go to. Or try and do them all at once. Or do yeah. you? Yeah, but well, do you get, you get multiple offers at I mean, times? At time? yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, some years, you know, I've been busier than others where a lot was going on and I was really popular to use at, at that time. Or how whatever. do you choose? Like, how do you choose when, like, you're being courted by multiple studios, multiple directors? It depends on if I can fit them in and, and uh, you know, it, who was first, who called first. I try and, you know, be... Even if somebody else's project might be cooler or something, I, I try Try and, to be fair. Try and be fair, yeah. Okay, as an animation so. producer, I'll remember this... <laughs> Full disclosure, Damon and I have uh, worked together in the past, um, and we worked with Paul Herod, who's up there. Yep. I'm just going to keep throwing names out like, yeah, yeah. A, like a wishing well. <laughs> um, uh, so what advice would you have, for the three listeners who are listening to our podcast right now, um, what advice would you give to young sculptors who want to um, do this really rad shit that you're doing for the industry? Clay or digital or? Both, yeah. Well, I would say learn digital because that's where it's all gone. Uh, clay is certainly good to know because, um, you know, like any traditional uh, skill, drawing, you know, it's all, it all, it, it crosses over. It all crosses over. And so um, I think you want to have, know as, be as versatile as you can with, um, and know uh, different tools because you never know when you might be asked to use clay or, or if they don't know that you can do that, you might miss an opportunity to do CG or whatever it is that you um, might be able to bring to the table. So you would so, suggest that they study both disciplines? Yeah, of course. Yeah, be broad, you know, with your skill set and your interests and, and uh, yeah, and uh, take risks and, and uh, be open to possibilities and opportunities. If, if they're building their college portfolio and they want to use that as a calling card to get the attention of, you know, folks whose job it is to hire sculptors, what what should their portfolios look like? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, should they all be super diverse? Should they do a bunch of like cool Renaissance shit like you've done earlier in your right, career? Right. Right. Uh, no, I mean, I think you nowadays um, versatility confuses people. It confuses uh, art departments, even though I still find that odd because you know if you show you can do a range, that sh should be a strength. But um, if you're going to go work for DreamWorks, don't show them monsters. If you're going to go work for Stan Winston, don't show them cartoony stylized characters that they, they just don't get it I, I don't know it's 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 uh, it's so are you saying to curate your portfolio mm -hmm. for your audience yes so that don't be, just put all that shit together like right. a kitchen sink like curate you well whoever you're applying to by their work yeah yeah if you're applying to dreamworks like each of those studios you know kind of has a brand that yeah. they that you know, like that's that that all the all their films kind of work within. So you wanna you wanna look to what is that brand and not show them something that's on the opposite side of the scale from that. And, and I have to point out that's uh, Angela Porras. She's a brilliant art <laughs> critic. She's <laughs> 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 about yeah. to dump her beer on Fred's head. I mean, I know animation uh, is everywhere, and uh, there are studios literally everywhere, so I don't know. I mean, you'd have to maybe do a little more research to see if you're looking for a specific area of interest, if you like 
if you're expecting content to come out from that area or so, or from a director that's from that area or something, if that's... Hey, Rob, thanks, man. Thanks, Rob. So just like, yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if you are a college student and you want to do work in like France or something, how can you reach out to studios? Well, you reach out to that studio, um, uh, type your letter in French, for instance, I suppose, uh, and, <laughs> and, and uh, tailor your portfolio to uh, their, their aesthetic, their style. And, and uh, then that'll show them that's what you can do, and you're tuning into their, uh, their brand, so to speak. Who else? Hey, hand, hold on. I'm coming. <laughs> it's like Richard Here Dawson, I come. Man. He's got his hair's graying, so he kind of looks like Richard Dawson. Ooh, damn. Above the ears. <laughs> Good effort. Thank you. Um, so at a, such a young age, how was it working okay. with Will Vinton? Were you aware of the theme park that he was trying to build? And also, do you have any memorable stories working there? Um, uh, no, I did, wasn't aware of the theme park and everything. Um, and uh, um, it was memorable because it was my first job when I was 16. And um, I didn't actually work with Will specifically. He was in the studio. We talked a few times. But I was my, my uh, bosses were other people. And uh, but, but it was a blast being there. And, um, uh, you know... It was uh, an opportunity that I won't forget, you know, being with, being at the studio. Uh, and how long were you at uh, Will Vinton Studios? Oh, I don't remember. I mean, that was a long time ago. <laughs> I'm in my 40s now, so um, uh, six months or something. Oh, okay. Yeah, it wasn't very long. So, But then I came back for PJs, so that was later, and that was probably another six months or something. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, he just said, what? Yeah. Yeah, that's in the, on the portfolio online. Anybody on this side? God damn it. Hi. Hi, thank you. Um, do you feel like there was a particular point or a project at which you felt really in control of your technical skill and it just kind of clicked where there was nothing that you would look at like, I don't know how I would execute that, or is it always just an ongoing? I think it's ongoing, but there have been projects where I would definitely felt in tune with what I was doing, and it was like I, I've got, I've got this kind of thing. You tell yourself, you know. So yeah, there's, um, there's been several, you know. But th there's some times where you're like, you know, you're, you're trying to figure it out, and uh, you're, you know, you're not, I, you know, you're not sure, and you're, you know, you gotta try things, and then you're not sure, and you show the director, and then, ooh, good, they, they liked it. <laughs> so. Do you remember the first? Like, did you ever have early on like imposter syndrome? And was, do you remember the first project where you were like, I know what I'm doing? Um, or did you always just know what you're doing? No, no, I didn't always know. Um, I still feel like I'm an imposter. I was going to say the same thing. I'm still yeah. an imposter. So yeah, I'm yeah. a, what is it, charlatan? It's a charlatan. Is it a real world? That's yeah. a charlatan. Yeah. yeah. Um, but seriously, does that feeling ever go away? No, like, it doesn't. And, and it like shouldn't. there's veteran directors in the audience. Right? Does that feeling ever go away of like the insecurity of like, I'm going to get found out? No, you should stay hungry. Yes. <laughs> yes, it does. No, it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Paul and Joanna are married, in case you guys didn't know. Um, Actually, since I have the microphone, I want to uh, add something to what you were saying about the portfolio and diversity sure. in the portfolio. Yeah. I think that's true when you're going to a studio that has a studio look. However, if you're submitting a, a portfolio to an independent production, or to a commercial studio, I think versatility is a real plus. As somebody right. who's looked at a lot of portfolios for different studios, commercial and independent films, um, I definitely uh, really prize versatility. Yeah, yeah, I still have a diverse portfolio, but I've just noticed that uh, you know a lot of places don't uh, prefer to see it. You know, I would think I, that's true with yeah. with uh, the uh, studios that have sort of like fossilized their look a little bit. Yes, <laughs> yes. But you've been hiding. You've been sequestered in in feature film production. Right. And what what uh, Paul was pointing out right. is that 
you haven't spent much time in the commercial world. In Not the, so much. In the horrible, awful world of making <laughs> commercials and bleeding out your art to sell someone's product. Yeah, yeah. I've done some, but yeah, yeah. Sorry, Fred. No offense to all the commercial projects you walked on over there. Just kidding. Fred makes movies, too. Um, so. Any more questions? Anybody else? I think we have yeah, just jump, Rob. No more <laughs> questions up top, guys. <laughs> Wait, Rob just had a snowboarding accident two I days know. ago. Are you okay? Yeah. Are you sure? Oh, God. Someone's going to have to give him mouth to mouth. Where am I? I'm just kidding. He had to come down anyway. I had this uh, question. Um, what is a film that you worked on that... Um, that you really learned about yourself a lot from that, like that maybe you struggled with that you really had to like find that oomph within yourself to, uh, you know, to, to yeah, to perfect your art. Sorry. <laughs> to, no, it's okay. Um, to, um, I, I think that just goes back to that uh, last thing that was said is that, you know, you, it's, you're always, trying to evolve and improve your skills and um, you never should stop growing or learning. Right. I didn't learn digital for a long time and that actually um, uh, set me back in some ways. Um, uh, so um, I think, uh, and on a project, um, you just gotta dig deep if you're stuck, you know, uh, and, and uh, you can't find something or, um, and there's been times where I haven't nailed it and it's like, well, I just couldn't find it. And, and that's just the way, it, you know, the, the it can work out sometimes too. So, um, is that sort of what you were asking? Well, I, w I was wondering if there was like one film in particular where like that stood out to you, like out of the ones that you've done. Um, not, not off the top of my head. Again, there's moments in every project where Probably. there's doubt or whatever. So yeah, there wasn't one defining moment of where I, where I suddenly was confident all the time or, or or not, you know. It's uh, I think it just depends, you know. I, you know, either my mood or the or the or, or the day I'm having, maybe I don't know. Yeah. But but you had um, only spent six months at Vinton Studios. You were like a kid, 16, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And then you went directly from just only a six month tenure at Will Vinton to uh, the sculpting on James and the Giant Peach. Is that right? No, it wasn't. It wasn't that. Line? No, it was like a no, it was like a year and a half later or something like that, or. Two years and later. you didn't feel like you wanted to stay at Vinton Studios longer than six months? No, because I was really wanting to move around. I wanted to be in L.A., do makeup, and which I did do for a little bit from with Rob Bottin. He did Robocop and stuff like Legend. Um, and uh, no, I wanted to try a lot of different things, like the bronze sculpture, the, 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 the fine art or whatever. Um, so, but um, some people may see, especially if you grew up in the Pacific Northwest, some people may see a job at Will Vinton Studios as being the last job that they need to get. Do you know what I'm saying? So, but no, at 16, right. you were like, fuck, this is pretty cool, but like, I want to double down and just see what else is out there. Yeah, because we had heard, you know, because I, um, uh, uh, friends that I uh, uh, would, would work with and we talk about the industry, we heard about this Nightmare Before Christmas movie and they were shooting shots that were 10 seconds long or 20 seconds long. that was unheard of absolutely before. it was yeah. it was the first time they'd done really long shots and we we wanted to be that was the next you know um, uh, goal to get to and uh, we want to work with those guys and you know so so there was just other things going on that were you know tempting but were you when you first started working at Vinton Studios were you actually working on the soul-sucking evil corporate <laughs> commercials that they yeah. were making at the time, yeah, right? yeah. Oh, so you did work in commercials yeah, 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 way yeah, back a in the bit, day. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Sorry, if anybody's never worked at a commercial studio, vastly different than working on a film or television series. I was I was going to say, is it different working within a live action studio versus an animation studio, or is it just roughly the same? It's just like the people. Yes. You know, Rob, do you want to feel different? Because Rob's done both. Rob, for people who don't know, I mean, Rob is uh, a director at Bent Image Lab, who's co-owned by Shell White, who's up here somewhere. He went to the bathroom. I uh, did to go to the bathroom. <laughs> uh, do you want to feel that, Rob? Because you work, we actually, we just had this conversation last night, very client-based. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just, uh, I think every single version of all these jobs, uh, at, I mean, it's definitely live action and animation is a completely different thing. It's like 
is so completely different. It's not unrelated, but it's way different. But like even uh, commercials to TV to features is, is, is all very, very different. And the jobs change for those things uh, because um, the schedules and the needs of those various like uh, what you're making in the end are the needs of those things are so different that um, they just are totally different. Uh, I can speak to commercials in particular. There's a whole client end that's at least half the job, which is uh, not something that you learn about in art school or something that you would like dream of doing when you're a kid. Because so it would scare the shit out of you if they taught you that stuff. You wouldn't go to. <laughs> but okay, well here, here's a, to put it in uh, terms of arithmetic. Damon, how many weeks did you have to? The, remember you showed us the process stuff for Coraline. It was like phase one, phase two, mm -hmm. phase three. In the measure of weeks or months, how much time was spent between phase one, two, three, and when it was finally locked? Um, I don't um, remember the exact amount of time, but right. uh, like that first uh, sketch was like two or three days. Uh, the, 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 the second bust was maybe a week or two or something like that. So, you know, it took longer because the size grew and just working with it. Would you it. say maybe like a month all yeah, told? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, for, for, once, for when we got from that first sketch to that first youngish looking design that we ended up aging up a bit just to make her, you know, not so, so young. So for argument's sake, if we said that he had a month to lock the Coraline design, I then say, Rob Shaw, how much time do you have with sculptors on a commercial? How many, how many months do you have with sculptors? <laughs> yeah. I mean, a like literally. Weeks. A few weeks. No, no months. Yeah. A few weeks. Yeah. But how, uh, how long do you have? Do you really have weeks with it? It all depends on the job. I mean, generally, a commercial job is, is supposed to be a 12-week schedule. Um, they get cut down to eight weeks often enough, but, uh, and every, 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 that means from, that means from storyboards to color correct the entire, so everything thing, gets truncated. Weeks. So yeah. if you hired Damon for a commercial, he might say, fuck you, fuck, go fuck yourself because, <laughs> because to work at that speed means making compromises. Yeah. Um, and at the same time you have. You know, normally you serve your lord, you serve your director, you serve <laughs> Rob, you serve Paul, you, you serve Shell. Um, but when you're making a commercial, yes, you have a director, but you also have other lords above them, which is the advertising agency, uh, their art side, their copy side, their producing side. Then on top of that, you also have the clients, too, who also have their say, who also happen to not be experts in animation. So you have to answer to a monolith of basically like seven different directors. Well, the final product is just different. Like on a movie, it's it's this you know two hour thing. Well, you're selling the human condition with a movie. Yeah. With with a commercial, you're selling you're selling diabetes and yeah. Fruit Loops. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's true. I mean, it's awful. It's a horrible thing. I can't believe we get exploited as filmmakers that we have to make commercials. I'll still work for you. Though. I know. It's just, <laughs> Trevor's really. It's it's like a. PTSD going on. I, I got to leave to go work on my commercial for tomorrow morning. <laughs> uh, guys, it's 8 o'clock. Thank you so much for sticking. Wait, was there one more question? No, 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 I'm coming up. I've been sitting all day. I'm coming. Rob, you went to the hospital today, man. Yep, thank you. This is actually for you and for any other producer or director in the audience. For an aspiring artist in this field, what is the best way to contact anybody? Like, do you recommend cold calls? Do you recommend we just submit our, por our portfolios to you? Or coming to events like this? Yeah. Or, uh, <laughs> like, what is, what, what is the most approachable way to go about this? Uh, I, I would say all of them, all of the above. Uh, it's, we've all been there, so it's really hard to get your foot in the door, and we all understand that. Um, and especially with, uh, it, it, so much of it is the right thing at the right time. So it's like, you may, sh you may show your stuff to somebody and it may be brilliant and they may be like, this is awesome and I would love to work with you, but I don't have a project right now that is that thing. Um, and then when they get that project, that's that thing, it's two months down the road and they've already forgotten. So it's, I think it's like submitting your stuff through the official channels, but it's also coming to stuff like this. Um, and also my biggest advice to people who are 
trying to break into the industry is get in somehow and just be cool because you will be working with the same people for decades. So I've seen people that are not cool and uh, even when their work is great, the, the bar of your work having to be great when you're not cool is so high. Like you have to be so good that people are like, fuck, I don't want to work with them, but they're so good, fine. Whereas like if you can just... It's true. If you can just get along with people and do the job, um, then you will start to be part of the community and the community is <laughs> super tight. Like the community, uh, I mean, at least for, uh, at least for stop motion, the community, uh, which is the, the form that I grew up in, um, the community is really, uh, um, supportive and, um, and connected and everybody knows where everybody else is working and everyone kind of has everybody else's back. So it's just about kind of like getting in and then, uh, and not being a jerk. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I would second that. And I think that there's a line, um, because I think I've had experiences where, um, I will meet folks who want to get into the industry and they're, uh, sometimes I get confused as to whether they are genuinely interested in, um, wanting to get to know me like as a person or as a filmmaker. And then or are they just sociopathically like, I'm just gonna ask anyone who can get me into anywhere. I think literally there's a human line about class and decency and like uh, about, yes, you should network and yes, you should um, uh, submit through the normal channels like Rob's saying, like every major company's got like an HR, like info or jobs at Leica.com that you can send to. But you can also in the age of social media, you can reach out to people's Instagram, their Facebook and, um, uh, the more polite and classy you are and patient in that communication, I think it communicates a lot to whoever you're talking to. Oftentimes, all of us are extremely busy because we're overworked and we're working 14-hour days, um, so we can't always respond all the time because there are really important emails that we're still not responding to, so let alone a stranger coming in. It's like, oh, fuck. But uh, Rob and I had, we wanted to work with a, a celebrity in New York and none of us, we, we didn't have any contact with whatsoever. So uh, we started uh, cold emailing and cold calling. And so once a month, we would reach out and contact um, this production company and this celebrity. That was rad. What was it? Um, anyway, it took 10 months. So it took from October all the way up to the end of July for that production company to finally respond. And at the end of the day, they ended up responding. Rob and I flew out to New York and struck a deal with this company. But in those literally 10 months of constant communication, they never once got back. We never once heard back. But every time we reached out, it was always like incredibly polite and incredibly understanding and knowing that they're probably a hell of a lot busier than we were at the time. So it's like we just carried that burden of remaining polite and groovy. We didn't put in any of the emails like, why aren't you getting back to us? Yeah, why right, haven't exactly. we like, you? like a jealous boyfriend. Well, I've, this is my fourth email, but I'll try again. Yeah, but we get those. We still get those emails, yeah. But exactly, yeah. I mean, you can, and that just speaks to like, it shows how much you're willing to like just be and like, and we were able to get it. Which, I don't know. Um, I'm going to offer one other suggestion. I think film fe uh, film festivals are great places. Yeah. Uh, animation festivals, if you can go to one of those. Um, because that is the place and the time when people are meeting people. And um, I met Peter Lord and David Sproxton at a festival uh, back in... 1993, and about five months later, I was working at Ardman. And it was because they were open to talking to somebody. And it, it's just a great time. You don't want to, you know, start talking work with somebody at a funeral. Uh, you want to you wanna do it when, when they're mind is completely open to the they, whole idea they've been drinking yeah <laughs> drinking helps too yeah but it's a it's a sort of a celebratory uh event and there's a kind of high that everyone's experiencing and and uh people are just incredibly receptive at uh, animation festivals
So I think uh, I think we're going to wrap up, and uh, it looks like uh, did Robert Esposito return back? Yeah, he's right there. Wait, who's next to him? Is that? It's Mike Ward. Legendary oh, hey, Mike. editor, director, Mike Ward. Yeah, Mike Ward, uh, local filmmaker. He's a he's an amazing human being. <laughs> Tried to wear so that hat to sneak out of here. here. Okay, thank you so much. Uh, one big shout out again. This is Damon Bard. You can find him at DamonBardStudio.com. No, uh, BardStudio.com or BardStudio.com. Yeah. And then if you want to hear a lot of cursing, but a lot of accurate history, you can listen to Indie Animation with Trevor and Rob on iTunes or Spotify or Hippa or whatever, and all kinds of fucking shit. <laughs> it's really cool. We interview really cool stuff. We were at Henry Selleck's studio last week and got some really cool stuff. So, Anyway, thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Thank Fred you. Ruff is up next.